We're going to start today with a brief video clip. So if you can make sure the sound is on, Dwight. So I apologize that the video is going to jump a little bit because I edited down from seven minutes to two minutes. However, I think it contains the main idea of the video. And if you want to watch the full thing, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Science of Happiness. So, but I invite you to watch this with me. What makes you happy? Having fun? Hanging out with friends? Delicious food? Making money? Well, consider this. Psychologists have scientifically proven that one of the greatest contributing factors to overall happiness in your life is how much gratitude you show. Yeah? Think about that. Go ahead and marinate on it for a second. You can thank me later if you want. It'll make you feel better according to this study. You go ahead and click on it and read it if you want. Or you can keep watching because we read it and we thought it might be fun to test out for ourselves. We gathered a selection of volunteers to act as our subjects. First, we gave them a test. They didn't know what we were looking for, but it gave us a pretty good idea of their current level of happiness. We asked them to close their eyes and think of somebody who was really influential in their life, somebody who did something really amazing or important for them. We had them write down as much as they could about why this person was so important. Now, a lot of them thought at this point the experiment was over until we really put them on the spot and tried to get them to call that person and read what they wrote about them. Thanks, Jessica. We're going to have to have you call your mother. So who is that right person for you? person is my sister, Erica. We're going to give Erica a call. <laughs> okay. I'm being blessed by having a son like you. I love you. Bye. Why did you do this? <laughs> I don't know because they made me do it. <laughs> Thank you for picking up. Bye, sweetie. Before we let them go, we gave our subjects one more happiness test. Now, we mixed up and rephrased the questions so they didn't know they were taking the same test twice. For those who took the time to actually write something down but couldn't make the phone call for whatever reason, we saw happiness increase between 2 and 4%. Good, but not exactly mind-blowing. Now, for those who actually picked up the phone and personally expressed their gratitude, we saw increases between 4 and 19%. So either way, expressing your gratitude will make you a happier person. I'm Julian, and this has been the Science of Happiness. One of the greatest contributing factors to overall happiness in your life is how much gratitude you show. Thank you for showing yourself. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Science has confirmed what Scripture has taught us. Science has simply confirmed what the Bible's always said. Practicing gratitude changes us. Showing gratitude changes us. And so the question is then, why don't we? Why do we struggle with gratitude in our lives? And in today's passage, we're going to see ten men healed of an incurable disease, and yet only one returns to express gratitude. And it forces us to ask the question, who am I more like? Am I more like the nine? Or the one who gratefully returns. And as we read today's passage, how's Jesus inviting us to practice gratitude? How's He inviting you and I to be changed? Let's pray together. 
Lord, as we open your word, we ask that you'd speak to us. Honestly, Lord, we come and we're, we're not always grateful. We're not always grateful the way that we know we should be or we feel we should be. So we pray that even as we study your word and as your spirit moves, that God, you would help us and that you would make us grateful. That you'd help us to express that. And Lord, that we might leave this place grateful and worshiping and praising you for all that you've done. May we truly give thanks. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen. Turn with me as we continue our study through Luke's Gospel. As we continue our study, we are in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, picking up where we left off. Luke 17, verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, Jesus said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So this short account, it opens. It opens and a fearful thing happens because on the road, Jesus is met by ten leopards. And so, (laughs) there are some who thought that was kind of funny. All right. I got that on my system. (laughs) On the way to Jerusalem, the gospel tells us that Jesus encountered ten lepers. Now, no one knows exactly what disease this man had. You know, they're not the, the word here used for lepers actually represented a variety of skin conditions, but there's a good chance it actually was leprosy, which we today know as Hansen's disease. Now, leprosy was common throughout the ancient world, and it does still exist today in, in pockets around the globe. Leprosy is caused by a bacteria, and it causes sores all over the body. But even worse, what it does is it destroys the nerves. And if you don't have nerves in your hands and in your feet, then you have no protection. You don't have any protection against overexertion or heat or cold or damage. And so those with leprosy would literally destroy themselves because they wouldn't know that they had an infection or that they'd broken a toe or that they were turning to uh, something too hard. And so their injuries would go unnoticed and untreated. And literally, it was a death sentence that was played out slowly over time as the disease progressed and as these men would destroy themselves accidentally. So these ten men were in a wretched, horrible condition. They were hopeless because there was no known cure to leprosy. And not only was this a death sentence, but these men were utterly alone because leprosy was considered both to be contagious, but it was also considered to make you ceremonially unclean. And so the Jewish law was very specific about those who had such a disease, what they needed to do. 
And we find in Leviticus 13, it says, The leprous person who has this disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. And his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So here are ten wretched and miserable and lonely men. They live outside the city limits in misery. They can have no contact with family or friends or the rest of society. And this disease is eventually going to kill them. Well, when these ten men see Jesus, what do they see? They see some hope. And while it says that they obeyed the law and they maintained a distance, the fact is they cried out to him. And considering the fact, consider the fact that they cried out to him at all. Consider the fact that they approached Jesus at all. Well, maybe they just had nothing to lose. But maybe in approaching Jesus, they'd heard stories. This is the man who welcomes the unwelcomable. This is the man who receives the unreceivable. This is the man who reaches out and touches the most unclean. And so they saw in Jesus someone who would not reject them. And friends, church, do Jesus' followers today have that same reputation? The same reputation of those who can be approached by the unclean, who welcome the rejected. Do we, will we, have that reputation? See, these men saw Jesus and they saw hope. And they reached out to him. They cried out to him. It says, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, mercy, mercy is something that's undeserved, something that's unmerited. And it begs the question, friends, is your life a mercy? Is it a gift? Is it a grace? Or is what you have an entitlement? Something you deserve. Something the world owes you. Because right here, this is the foundational question of gratitude. You see, in English, our word grateful comes from the same root word as grace. So when we recognize our lives are graceful, we become grateful. When we recognize that what we have is a grace, it's a mercy, it's a gift, it's something given to us, undeserved, we respond with gratefulness. And these ten lepers, they called out for mercy because it was undeserved, unearned. They were asking for a gift, for a grace. And because Jesus is so good, their lives became grace-filled. We see Jesus' response to the lepers in verse 14 is simply, go show yourself to the priests. You see, according to the law in Leviticus 13, if we kept on reading, we would see that the priest's job was to examine the skin diseases and to decide if the person was still sick, if he was still infected, whether he was clean or unclean, healed or unhealed, whether they could return to life or not. So Jesus says, go to the only one who can declare you healed, who can declare you clean. And it says that as they went, they were cleansed. So without a word, without a touch, without any fanfare, Jesus healed them all. He gave them what they were seeking, mercy, an undeserved gift. He healed them, and their lives suddenly, 
unexpectedly became grace-filled. And yet, only one of the ten was grateful. It says that one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. So ten men raised a loud voice, asking. But only one man raised a loud voice, thanking. Isn't that like us, often? Now Jesus, who was quite good at math, because he wrote all the laws of mathematics, does some quick calculations and he says, hold on, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where are the nine? All ten were equally grace-filled, but not all were equally grateful. And why? Now, the text is not explicit, but I believe that we're given a clue. We're given a clue as to the actions of the other nine because this text tells us that the one leper that was healed was not of Jewish descent. The one who returned was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now this account opened, and you might have heard, where was Jesus? He was on the border between Galilee, which was Jewish territory, and Samaria, which belonged to the Samaritans. And so we find that this group of lepers, these ten men, were a mixed group. Now, normally, Jews and Samaritans would never come together. In fact, when Jesus was passing through Samaria and he asked a Samaritan woman for a drink in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? I'm a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So here are people that generally have no dealings, but somehow their shared disease, their common adversity has brought them together. It's united them despite their deep divisions, despite their ancestry, despite their religion, despite their history. It's united them in this group of both Jews and Samaritans together. Approach Jesus. And only one returns, and Jesus notes that it's a Samaritan. So what might we presume? We might presume that the other nine who did not return were Jews. And the one who was grateful was a Samaritan. And the implication would be that the other nine, because of their Jewish heritage, maybe believed they were somehow entitled to be well. That somehow they deserved to be healed. And since it was something that God owed them or they deserved, then thanks wasn't really necessary. But what we find is that this Samaritan recognizes the truth. You see, he knew he wasn't entitled to anything, either by his actions or by his lineage. He wasn't entitled to anything. He deserved nothing. Neither, he had neither good works, nor did he have the lineage. He had nothing. And so he returns to Jesus because he recognizes that his life has just been grace-filled. And so he's grateful. You see, friends, entitlement. The idea that we deserve or that we're owed something is deadly. It's deadly to our sense of gratitude. Pastor John Ortberg correctly identifies that the bigger our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. Our entitlement mindset has led to a proliferation of lawsuits. When we don't get something we really want, we sue somebody. Because if I feel like I'm owed or I'm entitled to something, then when I don't get it, I'm upset. 
I'm irritated. Somebody needs to, is to blame. And even if I do happen to get what I want, well, I'm not going to be grateful because I expected it. I mean, I deserved it. So the greater my sense of entitlement, the lesser my sense of gratitude. You know, this was really insightfully articulated by comedian Louis C.K. in an interview on Late Night with Conan O'Brien back in 2008. Now, the clip of this video actually went viral on YouTube, and you can find it today by searching, Everything's Amazing and Nobody is Happy, which is a line that Louis C.K. said during the interview. Now, if you go home and Google the clip, be warned that his comments are insightful, but Louis C.K. regularly uses not safe for Sunday morning language. <laughs> but in the course of the interview, he does tell Conan O'Brien the story of being on an airplane. And he says, I was on an airplane, and there was high-speed Internet. And they say, open your laptop, and you can go on the Internet. And it was fast. It was amazing. And then the thing breaks down. They apologize. The Internet's not working. And the guy next to me says, oh, great, this stinks. Like how quickly the world owes him something he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. <laughs> and it's so funny because it's true. He didn't know it existed. And now the world owes it to him. And he's angry that he can't have it. How quickly and easily we come to believe that the world owes us something. That we're entitled to it that we deserve it. And if we don't get it, we grumble. And even if we do get it, we're not grateful because the greater our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. And when comedian Louis C.K. was asked what he was trying to say in his interview, he simply said, entitlement, it's a trap. It's an unhappy trap. And maybe some of you here today are feeling trapped in that unhappy trap, enmeshed in entitlement, duped into believing you deserve, owned by the sense of being owed? Are you in the unhappy trap that this world lays for us? In the opening video, it said, those who express great gratefulness escape the trap. They're happier and they're more satisfied, but how are you? How are you at expressing thanks? Because expressing gratitude, friends, does even more for us than making us happy and satisfied. What we find in this story is that expressing gratitude does something even more important. Consider the very final statement that Jesus makes to the leper who returned. In verse 19, he says to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. I, I thought ten of them were just made well, weren't they? Or is Jesus saying to this leper that you've received a blessing, a healing, that these other nine lepers didn't receive? Nine may have received the blessing, but you, you just received the blesser. Nine received the gift, but you, you've received the giver. Of all gifts. Nine received a physical healing, but you, in your gratefulness returning, you received an even deeper healing, a spiritual healing, a relationship with the Savior and the salvation that can only come by faith. Friends, the grace filling of our lives 
is always meant to produce in us gratitude. And that gratitude is meant to bring us right to the feet of the grace giver. Theologian Warren Worsby wrote, We should remember that every good gift from, comes from God. And that he has, as the theologians put it, he, or he is, oh, he is, as the theologians put it, the source, support, and end of all things. The very breath in our mouths is the free gift of God. Thankfulness is the opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve what comes to me. Other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life's a gift from God and that the blessings of life come only from His bountiful hand. That God truly is, as we sang earlier in the service, the fount of every blessing. And friends, the blessings of God are meant to point us to the hand of God. The grace of Jesus is meant to bring us to the feet of Jesus. For Jesus himself is the true gift. Faith in him and relationship to him is the grace, the gift that God truly wants to give us all. The problem is entitlement and selfishness. It keeps us from recognizing grace. And if we don't recognize grace, we're not grateful. And if we're not grateful, we're not going to run and fall at the feet of Jesus, recognizing Him as the giver of all good gifts. Friends, we're invited again in this passage to remember and to recognize the gospel, the good news, the good news of God's grace, summed up beautifully in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that by grace you've been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so no one may boast. Friends, do we? Do we, like that one leper who returned, believe that God has been gracious? Do we believe that the gifts that we have and the salvation that we have could not be earned? We are not entitled to it. We don't deserve it. Do we understand and have we received the gospel. Are you here today seeking only the gifts of God? As though God owes you His goodness or you deserve a blessing or you've merited favor? Or are you here today like the one leper returning? Recognizing that it's not your own doing and deserving, but you gratefully come and you worship and you cling to the feet of Jesus, gracefully receiving not only His gifts, but receiving Him. For he is the greatest of gifts. Because, friends, salvation. Salvation is not just to receive the gifts of God. It's to gratefully receive the gift giver. It's to receive Jesus himself. And have you? Have you today received Jesus yourself? Or do you continue on your way, grace-filled in so many ways, and yet ungrateful? Blinded by entitlement, trapped by discontent, ungrateful and unhappy? Or is gratefulness swelling up within your soul? Is gratefulness as you recognize the grace with which your life has been filled, leading you to come and to fall at the feet of Jesus Christ, who is the grace filler? And to receive not just his gifts, but to receive him. Because the good news is that if you're here today and you recognize that you're one of the nine, there's still time to turn. There's still time. 
It's not too late to invite His Spirit to fill your heart with gratefulness that you might be led to worship at the feet of Jesus Christ. That you might receive not only from Him His grace, but that you might receive Jesus Himself. Friends, are you grateful? Have you met the grace filler? And what stops you? And church, we who've met the grace filler the one who gives all good gifts, we who've received not just his gifts, but actually received him, our lives should be characterized by gratefulness. But are they? Is yours? Pastor Vance Havner wrote, in fact, the whole Christian life should be one big thank you, the living expression of our gratitude to God for his goodness. But, We take him for granted. And what we take for granted, we never take seriously. How are you guilty of taking him for granted? Of treating his grace with contempt? Of acting as though his gifts were not gifts at all, but somehow deserved? Of allowing entitlement to silence you from loudly and embarrassingly worshiping Jesus like one leper returning? How are you guilty of receiving his gifts, but yet ignoring the gift giver? Church, we must return again and again to the gospel. Because in doing so, Jesus will teach us. He'll teach us to break with the other nine and to worship like the one leper returning. Together, you and I need to be taught regularly and to practice daily gratitude. Because it just doesn't come naturally to us. In her book, The Gift of Thanks, Margaret Visser cites a study which found that children had a much more difficult time learning to remember to say thank you than learning to remember to say hi or goodbye. And she says, in our culture, Thanksgiving is believed to be, for most children, the very last basic social grace they acquire. Children have to be brought up to say they are grateful. The verb is passive. They are brought up. They do not bring themselves. And what's true of them is true of us as adults still. Friends, we must be brought up, encouraged in gratefulness. We need to be schooled to declare the Lord's praise. We need to let the gospel train us in the practices of thankfulness so that we might understand that all of life is grace-filled and we might become grateful. We need to be trained I mean, consider Paul's instruction to the church in Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Three times, three times in this short little passage, we find the command to practice thankfulness because, friends, gratitude does not come naturally to us. It is lost easily by us, and we need to practice it regularly. Three times we're commanded that when we gather together, we are to practice giving thanks. For church, like the opening video affirmed, expressing gratitude will Change us. 
Again, in Margaret Visher's book, she states, eventually when children have matured and been further educated, they will come to be able to feel the emotion that the words express. But the words come first and the feelings later. Friends, the expression of our gratitude will change us. If we want to become a grateful people, together we need to practice being a grateful people. We must practice words that regularly invite us to dwell within the gospel. Words that remind us of the story of God's grace. Words that bring us, into, that help us to practice being a grateful people. That bring us even deeper into the gospel truths. And Chestnut Street, one very tangible way that we can practice gratefulness to God is also by practicing gratefulness to one another. Because we need to recognize that among the many blessings of the gospel, we are given the gift of Jesus' church. We're given the gift of one another. This church family is a grace, a gift that God has given us and has given to this community. And we need to learn to express thanks to God for this gift. We need to learn to express thanks to others for the part that they have played in bringing God's grace to us. You know, some of you joined us for part of the discussion that we had when we evaluated and talked about the 2007 NCD, Natural Church Development Survey, that our church took together. Pertinent to this topic, one of the questions which our church family rated itself lowly on was question 48. When someone in our church does a good job, I tell them. And we didn't rate ourselves very well on that. And that, friends is about gratefulness. Part of expressing gratefulness to God is learning to express gratefulness to those whom God has given us. And I confess, I've not always done this well. And too often I've taken our church family for granted. It's easy to allow entitlement to steal your own joy or to dampen my own love. And I know I've failed to express gratitude to you as much or as regularly or as personally as I need to. But church, gratitude doesn't come naturally to any of us. It's lost easily. And so together we need to practice it regularly. So let's pray together that the Spirit might teach us and empower us to express gratitude. Gratitude to one another and gratitude to the one who gave us one another. This coming week, and every week thereafter, will you by the Spirit's strength commit yourself to the practice of gratitude? Finding those things in your daily life and expressing gratitude to God for them. For the purpose of letting that gratitude draw you back to the feet of Jesus. That you might worship like the one leper returning. And practice gratitude towards one another. Every week, by the Spirit's strength, committing yourself to go out of your way to express gratitude to at least one other member of our church family. And friends, what if we did that? What if together, by His strength and by the power of His Spirit, we learned again to practice gratitude? A gratitude that drew us back time and time again to the feet of Jesus. A gratitude that took us back time and time again into the gospel. A gratitude that caused us to show gratitude to one another and further worship Him. As that opening video declared, expressing gratitude would change us.
How might it change us? Are you ready to be changed? This week, church, how will you give thanks? Let's pray. Father, move our hearts. Move our hearts to thankfulness. Open our eyes to see our world as grace-filled, that we might become grateful and that we might fall at the feet of Jesus who has given and provided so abundantly. Open our eyes that we might look upon our brothers and our sisters and this church family and that you might open our mouths to express our gratefulness for them and for what they do and for how you are using them in our lives and using them in this world. Father, may we be a people characterized and known for gratefulness. May we be a people who worships at your feet like one leper returning, loudly, passionately, with all of our being. Be honored and be glorified in your church, Lord. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing of our gratefulness. Let's praise Him with Him, number 560.